Did you ever act in high school? Weren't you? You were in the chorus for How to Succeed in Business. Yeah, right? I was in. I was in the chorus for the for the musical my freshman year, and uh, I had one line. Uh, I, I yelled "Coffee break," and that was my. Can you give it? To, can, can you give me that line like you did that in high school? Well, let me hold on. Let me see if I can find that character. <laughs> so I was pushing a cart. So I would have been like this, and then and then I would have stopped. And then I would uh, I would look to the crowd, and then I yelled, "Coffee break!" And then everyone would have just lost their shit. It would have. Just, oh my god! Like I can't imagine. It was pandemonium. Yeah, it, like because you because it was you saying your catchphrase, and they, people were just waiting for it. It was a ten minute standing ovation every night. Yeah, like, I can't fucking wait. Like they had to stop the show. Here she comes. Hello, and welcome back once again to. We both podcast together, The Hazards of Loving the Decemberists. I am your beloved host, Pete Wissinger. And I am also a host, but not quite as beloved, Matt Esner. A little more, perhaps even loathed. Yeah, I would say so. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like the heel of We Both Podcast Together. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the lovable uh, lovable clown. What's No, the, what's, the, what's the wrestling term for that? Is it babe? Justin Smith, you watch wrestling, right? It's been a very long time since I've watched any wrestling. I would not be able to tell you who that is. Oh, but... If you, if you longtime fans of the show haven't guessed, uh, we are joined once again today by fan favorite Justin Spath. Welcome back, Justin Spath. I am here to assault your senses with my voice. You're welcome. Is it the face? Is that what it's called? In wrestling? I, I don't watch... Wrestling. The face sounds more correct than the babe. The face that. and the heel? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the face is like a pretty boy. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at this nice face. He's probably a good what, guy. Uh, what person of December's fans do you think are also pro wrestling fans? You know, over or under 50%? Under, but barely just under. <laughs> okay. I could see Chris Funk being a pro wrestler. Sure, yeah. He's built for it. He's got the build. Yeah. For I sure. Feel like he would have to be a uh, a luchador. Sure. Yeah, why not? So it's been about a month since we last put out an episode. We're recording this in mid-November yeah. at this point. How has your guys uh November been? Um interminable. It's just been like the longest month of the year. We're only and, halfway through November. Yeah, in a year in a year of like interminable months. November has been the longest month in the history of time. Yeah, pretty much. That that sounds about accurate for me as well. This year has been about three decades at least. Yeah. Or this month, right. I think, has maybe been one of those three decades. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure that all of you out in Decemberist land um, are happy that Donald Trump will not be president again. I'm sure that con- con- maybe con- this will maybe this will get the Decemberists back in the studio. You think they'll be so happy? For like an... An upbeat album. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna be so happy they put out another King is Dead. You think that was their happy album? I don't know. It's pretty happy. It's pretty upbeat. Yeah, actually, King is Dead. Are there any sad songs on King is Dead? I mean, maybe like in a sort of cats in the cradle kind of way. Hmm. I mean, isn't one of the songs talking about like war and stuff? Uh, but it's like it's like a very self-righteous, this is why we fight. Oh, you yeah. Know. That's right. Good point. Even the song about the end of the world is happy. Yeah. It's all pretty upbeat. So naive back then. So today we're not actually talking about a Decemberist album. Is that correct? This is our first like spin-off episode. 
Right. Um, well, this is our first episode that is not about music that was released under the moniker of the Decemberists. Um, so we'll be coming out with a series of episodes over the next couple of months that are all tangentially related to the Decemberists by like side projects of band members and whatnot. So this is our first in that series. And I would say it's, it's, it's pretty much the mother of, of Decemberist side projects. Literally. <laughs> well, is it called a side project if it came first? I don't know. I don't know. Like, is your ex-girlfriend your side piece? I don't think so. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't say that's... that's probably Only if right. you return back to her. Yeah. Right, and I don't, I don't see... Anyway, if you guys haven't guessed, by reading the title of the episode on wherever you're <laughs> listening to it... This is the uh, episode today about we are... Pete's side piece. We're talking about the affair that Pete's having right now. <laughs> today we are discussing Tarkio, um, which we've mentioned before on the podcast... Uh, when we were discussing the history of the band in our five songs episode. Uh, but Tarkio was Colin Malloy's college band before moving to Portland and starting the Decemberists. Um, they put out a couple of releases, but what we're listening to the way we've gotten this material uh, is when it was re-released by Kill Rock Stars in a compilation called Omnibus. And I'm sure we could talk like some history of the band. Matt, I don't know if you did any reading. I did some reading. Yeah, I did a little reading. I actually I did some really research for this reading episode. As far as that goes, so you I know what? Just the ball. you're you're here to just react to our beautiful nuggets of knowledge. You're a guest. You don't have to know. I anything. will react so hard you won't even know how to respond to our beautiful nuggets. Matt, would you like to present your nuggets first? Um. Well, I. I <laughs> This is a ball joke, by the way. If no, if no, if you guys out there haven't caught this, like I'm, tell, I'm telling nut jokes. Okay, well, it's going to be hard to follow that up with. with you're going to you're gonna have to put an NSFW warning on this episode. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty. Someone's going to get fired from their job. Absolutely, it's if, not safe. If, if you're listening to this at work, like <laughs> get <loudly>. out. <laughs> Just turn it off. Turn it off. Get the fuck out of there, man. (laughs) What are you doing? Get the the fuck out. Put your dick away and stop jacking it. (laughs) Oh, this is already a terrible episode of this podcast. Uh, Okay. This is the energy you were missing in that last episode. It is, yeah. It's back. It's back, baby. (laughs) I guess I bring out the worst in him. You're welcome. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, so Tarkio is named after a town. The band Tarkio is named after the town Tarkio, which I believe is also in Montana. Although I didn't do that much research. Uh, but there's also well, speaking. We should maybe say that uh, th- this is a very Montana band. Right. Well, it was formed in Montana. Right. Um, is, is that so, what you mean by this is a very Montana? Well, band? well. So, so Colin Malloy is from Montana. Right. Um, and he went to his first two years of college were in Eugene, Oregon, but he missed the mountains of Montana. So he moved back to go to school in Missoula. Um, and that's when, so this would probably, he'd be about 20 when this band forms. Yeah, probably thereabouts. Anyway, keep going. Uh, so they, they formed, I think in like 97, probably 96, 97, but their first uh, their first release, I think, is officially 97, so I don't know. Somewhere in 96, 97, Colin was a returning uh, junior, I believe, to uh, University of Montana. And uh, he, I don't know, he formed this band with uh, 
It's a four-piece, right? Yeah, so it's guitar, bass, drums, and banjo. Yeah. But they've obviously got some other guest musicians on here, because there's a decent amount of strings in here as well. Indeed. Yeah, so you mentioned that their first release was in 1997, which was a self-released cassette. Yeah. Which makes me think that they recorded it in someone's bedroom and just like made a bunch of tapes and handed them out. Why not? That's what you did back then. Before uh, and that, go on. Well, before GarageBand, you know, before digital recording was easy and fun. Well, probably not even a bedroom. Probably they were an actual garage band. They might have could been. be. Um, yeah. So that first cassette is called Fallness. I don't know if I'm even saying that right because it's spelled weird. Uh, Falleness. Anyway. Uh, those songs are are lost to history, it would seem. So, what, Matt, tell me everything you learned in your research about Tarkio. Um, they basically were like a college band. Uh, they put out two, one EP and one LP. Um, and their their whole thing was like for a while they thought they were gonna just like be a band and stay in, in Montana forever. Like they, they thought that that would, that was just going to be their thing. They were going to be like, you know, I think the, the band he, he that uh, Colin mentioned was like low. I think low is based out of like Minneapolis, you know, out of Duluth, Duluth. I'm yeah. looking at the same quote right now. Okay. It's on their Wikipedia page. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. So like, you know, I think the traditional like path is you, you're a band, then you go to one of the coasts, uh, you go to LA, you go to New York, and and that's how you sort of climb your way to the top. But but Tarkio's you know idea for a while was just to stay in Montana and and be a really good band based out of there and tour every once in a while. Well, he talked about what the problem was um, was that like unlike other bands that sort of romantically started in rural America, uh, Missoula is not really near a major metropolitan area. Um. So it's actually kind of impressive that they built a following from Missoula, Montana. Yeah. Outside of just the students at University of Montana. Right. I was going to say, it doesn't really surprise me that much that they ended up building a following because I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I uh, I really like the songs that uh, we listened to for this. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, we'll get to this, but we're not going to talk about every song on this compilation because it's a double LP. There's like 30 songs. It's a bunch. It's a lot of yeah. music. And we're lazy, um, guys. We're just not. We are very lazy. We have jobs. Uh, we have other things to do. Yeah, this uh, this band um, is sort of a, it's an oddity. Colin, uh, I read some interviews where he talked about how it's kind of interesting to be this like bookish alt country band that's like playing bars and college parties in Montana. Like it's like a, it's like an odd thing. Uh, he said. Also, claimed that they got in uh, bar fights with skinheads. Wow. So that's that's pretty hardcore. While he was in this yeah. band, Colin Malloy was working in a bakery. Do you guys know that? I did not know that. Did not know that. This is ha, good stuff. I did more research than Matt in yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah actually. Uh, so this article I found it's a it's a Montana article about this was after the Decembers had formed. The owner of the bakery said that Colin was, oh, let's see, let me see, Bernice's Bakery, which was a favorite hangout near the banks of the Clark Fork River. Okay. So while he was in college, he was working at this bakery. 
Um, and the owner, who says she was actually a Tarkio fan, said he wasn't a very good he, – he was a good employee, but he wasn't absolutely 100% dedicated to the job. However, they had a lot more young girls coming into the bakery when he was working there. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, so hello. dude was crushing it. That's what I'm saying. Dude was crushing it. Not that we, we need to, like, you know – dwell too much on on what Colin Malloy looked like in the college uh, era but there's there's some live videos of uh of Tarkio and uh and Colin and he, you know he's got it going on uh and he's, Are we going to talk about how good looking of a young man Colin Malloy was I'm just all right here's my point he has a he has a soul patch and he pulls it off that's all I'm going to say about it You know here's what I'm going to say the man still got it going on Hey right well age like fine wine I would say <laughs> Um, yeah, so they put out an album and an EP, um, but it seemed like he was getting a little tired of, like, the creative constraints of being this band in Missoula, Montana. He was saying they would, like, go to parties and people would want them to play, like, party music. Sure. And, like, they have some songs that sort of play better with that crowd, but that wasn't necessarily where their passion was necessarily. Um, and that's when he kind of decided to, like, go to a city and, like, start over from scratch by himself. So other members of the band, uh, just FYI, uh, we had Gibson Hartwell, who also played guitar and banjo. And then we had Louis Stern, who played bass, and Brian Collins, who played drums. So that's the the band Tarkio, with Colin Malloy as the songwriter, singer, and guitar player. So there, uh, this compilation omnibus was released on the December's first, um, label kill rock stars, uh, in 2006. So 2006, they had put out, that's, that's right. At that after, point, had they ju- year after picaresque. Okay. So they hadn't jumped onto capital yet at that point. Yeah. This is, <clears throat> I guess like the last sort of Decemberist adjacent release on uh, kill rock stars, right? Could be. Um, so, you know, at this point, the Decemberists have developed a following. They're sort of like critical darlings of indie rock. Um, and I think that like in the era of bootleg audio, people have been like pirating Tarkio material. You can really buy it in stores or anything like that. Um, so they put it on official release. I bought this on CD when it came out. I Yeah, I did uh, too, which is, I mean, I guess like I had, I had picaresque at that point. So I was already all in. I was buying Colin's solo stuff. Like, it, I mean, I think I bought it like right after it came out too. This wasn't like, oh, I need to complete my collection. Like, this was a day one or, you know, day right. two purchase. Justin, had you listened to any of this before you prepared for this podcast? I don't know if anyone was talking to me because my computer just wigged the hell out. Well, this is great so, because uh, I literally just asked you a question. We've been. <laughs> We've been not talking to you at all during the time before this. But what I asked is, had you listened to this material before preparing for this podcast? Uh, I had not. I uh, always kind of meant to. It just never happened. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was going to chime in whenever you both were talking about how you both bought this album. I was going to say I had not. Okay. Well, you didn't really miss much of the conversation. Yeah, that's basically, um, that's what happened. Do you want to talk any more band history before we jump into the music, Matt? Well, I mean, maybe we should just say, generally speaking, this is, 
this has been broadly described as like alt country Decemberists. Like that's sort of sure. like how it was like packaged to, uh, I mean, December the best things. comparison I've seen is to compare it to like uncle Tupelo. Yeah. Which if you guys don't know uncle Tupelo, that was Jeff Tweedy's band before he formed Wilco. Right. Um, I've also seen comparison to water boys, which I have listened to one water boys album, which I would say it fits there as well. Yeah. It's sort of Wilco-ish, actually. Yeah, uh, early, early Wilco. Like, definitely lo-fi, mm-hmm. alt-country-ish. Well, what I think is interesting thinking about this, something we'll maybe come back to, is I sort of imagine what would Tarkio have become if Tarkio right. had carried on yeah, rather than shifting. Because I think you see the roots of the Decemberists here, but it is it is a little bit of a different creature. Mm. Um, it's definitely more steeped in the, like the reality of living in Montana, whereas the Decemberists is much more, much more fanciful. Yeah, I was going to say there's not a whole lot of uh, fantastic and elements. In I don't think there's Ontario. any ghosts, pirates, or rapes on this entire two disc collection. Which you know that's kind of crazy, right there. Yeah. Um, also, like alt country as like the sort of like cool indie, you know, genre, like. That had a pretty short shelf life. Um, sure, I feel like you throw like, like the Jayhawks and yeah. uh, well, and and even like Wilco got out of alt country pretty quick. I mean, Nico Case is alt country. She's pretty much out of alt country at this point. So I, I think like it's something people dabble in a lot. <clears throat> You're more alt country than I am. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like I like alt country, but at the same time, like I feel like it's it's it still exists. It's still like people still make that genre, but like, it's no longer the cool, uh, indie genre that it once was. I mean, isn't like Sturgill Simpson, wouldn't he be considered alt country? Or is he just country? I don't know. I mean, he might just be country, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot more jazz in his albums than you. Or like Jason Isbell. See, I think he country. might be Americana. I mean, he could yeah. be alt country. I don't know. It's like a weird, it's a we're, weird, we're splitting hairs on genre it's, titles. Yeah, here. It is <laughs> at this point. We it's are. true. Um, one more uh, bit of trivia about this band. Uh, they rehearsed in the basement of the bassist for Pearl Jam, Jeff Ament. Who Was he from Missoula? Or he just... Uh, yeah, apparently. Wow. Interesting. So the Pearl Jam bassist let them use his, like, jam space to, to rehearse. Yeah. That's... I wonder if that's where they recorded their first cassette. Maybe. Apparently that first cassette I just saw uh, only they only made 500 copies. Mm. Ah. So, um, so if we talk about what's on this omnibus, which I think sort of the title omnibus uh, implies a sort of like large collection, exhaustive collection, yeah, right. Like I think of when I think I'm a nerd, so for me omnibus I think of like comic books, sure, yeah, like a giant oversized collection of like an entire uh, arc of some kind. I'm sure it's used as a word for things other than comic books. Uh, I mean, books, I think that's, but. that's a pretty apt description. I mean, omnibus editions are a big thing in, like, uh, various uh, books and stuff, obviously. Here's Justin talking about books again. You can't help We're him, so though. impressed that Bruh, you read, Justin. You read so many books. <laughs> I mean, if we want to talk about books, I've got a big one that I'm looking forward to that drops tomorrow for me. For well, go ahead. Whoever listens to it. Yeah, yeah, we're on the edge of our seats right now. We've been. It's it's going to be "Rhythm of War" by Brandon Sanderson. The oh, is that the archives. next Stormlight? Yeah, I don't. So. I only read the first one of those. I need to keep that going. 
First How does one's that man good? write so many books? Because uh, he's a fiend, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Is he like one of those people that's like secretly like four different people and could like be they just all right? He's like the reverse George R. R. Martin, right? Yeah. The anti Patrick Rothfuss. Mm-hmm. He's the fantasy version of Stephen King, is what he is. Sure, only yeah. more Mormon. Oh, he's Mormon. Yeah, huh. it's yeah. That's interesting. What he is. I shouldn't act so like <laughs> scandalized by that. Yeah, I, I mean it's not. It's eh. we're like talking in hushed tones about. <laughs> An author's Mormonism. Probably shouldn't uh, have said that. So, you yeah. know, I've been outed as a racist. So I apologize. <laughs> the race of Mormons. <laughs> well. The race of Latter-day Saints. We're going to lose like half our podcast listeners. I, yeah, we, I, I mean, we have a lot of LDS uh, listeners. Like, we're huge in Utah. Anyway, let's talk about what is in this omnibus. Right. So, disc one of the omnibus is uh, the band's debut full-length LP and only full-length LP which was titled Guess I Was Hoping for Something More, which was released on Barcelona Records uh, back in, when was that? Uh, is that 2000? Sorry, I thought I had this right. 98, released in 98. Disc two is kind of a, a couple of things mixed together. So it starts off with a six-track EP called Sea Songs for Landlocked Sailors, which was uh, released in 1999. You can already tell by the title of that that they're already leaning a little bit towards where the Decemberists end up. I was going to say uh, it basically <laughs> screams the Decemberists. It, it does. Like what they would title one of their EPs or something. It does. And then there's, it looks like a couple of maybe demos and then um, some live tracks from uh, like radio in-studio performances. So that's what we're looking at here. Now, rather than talk about all 27 of these songs, we've selected some of our favorites or the most interesting ones that represents the full scope of this band's uh, short-lived discography. Right. It's completely arbitrary, completely subjective, but they're just songs that we like. So like, this isn't even, this isn't like an exhaustive ranking even. No. As, as, as much as we are prone to do that, we decided well, not to do it on this. Another issue is that a lot of these songs sound the same. They're kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, at least on that first, on the first disc. Um, but like, just before we even get started, I'll say like, you know, for this being a random college band from Montana, I think we're looking at some pretty good stuff here. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, when I think about like the kind of stuff I was creating in college, like the best thing I've ever I, I wrote or like created in college, like just and then, and then look at what like Tarkia was making and just feel inadequate. Yeah. Also, I couldn't put off a soul patch in college, and uh, Colin Good. I said I wasn't going to bring it up again. I did. I'm sorry, but it, he looks good in the soul patch, guys. Look it up, Tarkio on YouTube. It's one of the Halloween shows. You can see what I'm talking about. Just bask in it. Yeah. You know, you talking about how you feel lesser because he produced better stuff than you while in college. I guess it's a good thing I'm not a creative. So, you know, it doesn't really right. affect me. Cause you have nothing to feel inadequate about. Yeah, yeah I wasn't it's making more, anything it, then. I ain't making anything now other than this. And, you know, right. basically crapping all over your thing. So, you know, what <laughs> right. Else? It's more like penis envy because you don't have one, not because it's small. Yes. I guess I could be the lady in this situation being like, damn it, I wish I had that. 
Matt, I'm just really trying to earn that NC-17 rating. Good, yeah, keep this. going. Well, I think whenever yeah. you went on your tirade against the Mormon church, I think that's really going to push us over. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, so should we talk about the songs that we wanted to talk about? Yeah, let's... Or do we want to uh, just keep, <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep this going? Part the uh, Mormons. Uh, yeah, let's just let's start. So the, the first track that we picked is the first track of the album, uh, first track of the Omnibus. It's called Keeping Me Awake. So this is the first track from their their LP, right? Um, and right off the bat, like it's it's if if you were looking for the alt country Decemberists, like this is Exhibit A. Agree. Banjo out in front, telling you what's what, welcoming you. Absolutely. To it's kind of weird that there isn't more banjo in Decemberist songs. I bet Chris Funk plays banjo. He does play banjo. He, he plays banjo on a couple of their songs. I'm just saying, like I'm surprised there's not more of it. I would agree, and that's actually one reason that I like a lot of the 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 more country tracks on this omnibus is because it's it's got a heavy banjo use on it. Now you are an you're an amateur banjoist, is that? Uh, yes, is sir. That correct. Do you still yes. do you still pluck the old the old Joe? You still when I walk by it, I sometimes pick it up, yeah, uh, just hold it, yeah, maybe strum it once or twice. Uh, do you uh, want to? You want to talk about your banjo at all? Do you want me to go get it right now and we can we can record a little something-something? <laughs> so this song is about as easy listening as it gets. It's true. It's just a it's just a cool, like strummy, you know, finger picking good time. There's some nice harmonies on it. There's some really mediocre uh, violin playing on it. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing. Ooh. Like, I I'm just gonna go ahead and, and rip this band-aid off. Uh Right here, right now. I think the biggest difference between like Tarkio and the Decemberists is like you, you don't have Chris Funk. Like, the, see, I think what you're really missing is the presence of Ginny Conley. Sure, I mean, I think that Tarkio could still sound the same with Chris in the band. I think that Ginny brings the unique sound of the Decemberists. Yeah, that's my personal. There's no organ. There's no. There's no right. keys. No accordion. I just think. Chris Funk is a is a hell of a guitar player. I mean, and the guy in this band is good. Like he's good, but like I don't know. I just I listen to a lot of the the playing, and I'm like, this isn't as good as it could be. I mean, I I enjoyed the guitar playing in it, and I thought it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm not as uh, apt at being able to tell. I guess some of the technicalities of uh, a lot of guitar playing since I neither can Matt. He's just bullshitting. Whatever. <laughs> um, one thing I'll say about this song, if we're if we're if we're bitching about good music, uh, is that this song and I think a lot of their songs goes on a little too long. That's I think that's going to be a running thing. Like this. this is almost a six minute song, and it could be it could be a great like three and a half minute song. Like I would say. I, I mean, I'm not going to do the math right now, but I think like all but three songs on this album are are over five minutes. Like it's ridiculous how long these songs are. And and it's not like 
their like December songs where they're like multi-part songs, which no. keeps giving you new interesting things. It's just the same thing. Yeah, they just needed an editor, which you know I think that's part of being a young songwriter is you don't sure you don't know when like stop. you have a good idea you just want to keep you just want to keep playing it. Well, so you know, Colin here is a creative writing major at this point, um, and you know if you think about like this song being an example. These lyrics are not delving into like some literary fantasy like a lot of Decemberist songs are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's definitely more grounded in sort yeah. of like write what you know kinds of like generic pop song kind of stuff. But like as it is, this is like a really pretty song that I would listen to almost any time. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good song. Into it. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, Keeping Me Awake. Uh, the next track we picked is uh it's another one from the first disc uh and it's called Neapolitan Bridesmaid This song is silly. It's just a silly fun song. It is a little bit um, and it starts to get a little bit of those kind of like kooky Colin Malloy lyrics. Right. Because, uh, you know, he references Camus in here. Yeah, Albert, Albert Camus. Albert Camus. Um, what else? There was another thing in here that made me think like, oh, here's Colin kind of showing his colony-ness. Yeah, I feel like maybe some of the some of the sins that the Decemberists are unfairly uh, – scorned for unfairly like taken to task for as being overly literate. And I would say at no point are they as like hyper literate as some of the worst, uh, Tarkio songs worse than like most like egregiously drawing attention to itself with how literary it is. I mean, really for being a college, uh, creative writing major, he should be commended for showing as much restraint as exactly. he does in these songs. Yeah. Like the Decemberists <laughs> are like, they're never as flowery as this. And and I'm not saying like this is bad. Like I just think like the Decemberists have that sort of they get they get scolded for it a lot. But like it, it's restrained compared to you know what Colin was doing as a twenty two year old creative writing major. For some reason it like, you know, none of the uh the music obviously doesn't seem like it, but it kind of vaguely reminds me a little like the lyrics of um, Vampire Weekend. Sure. Okay. Um, Which just, I think is also a college band. Weren't they yeah, essentially yeah, a college they were band? Like an they were. Band. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, it's obviously not the same thing, but like the kind of, I don't know, gives off the same vibe as far as just like, random like academic shit that they decided to yeah. uh, throw into a song who gives a you get brownie points in comma. you get brownie points in college for dropping kemu as a lyric you know professor's cr- professor street cred right neapolitan bridesmaid is a song to demonstrate how smart colin is and how much he he read stuff and it's fine. I do think it also sounds because there's. I think there actually is some some kind of keys on this, like an organ yeah, I think maybe. There might be. And to me, this song almost sounds like it could have been on five songs. Sure. Like I think this one inches a little bit closer to that early Decemberist sound. Uh, and another thing that 
I don't think we, I mean, critics and, and, and me in particular, don't give Colin enough credit as writing good hooks. Like he writes fun guitar melodies and I think he should get more and vocal hooks. I'm with you. I was going to ask, was that him that was writing that? Did he write all of it or well, I guess I, I wasn't I aware. He just wrote the acoustic. You can only assume. Yeah. Okay, we don't really know. Uh, speaking of good hooks, I, I really like the next song we picked. Yeah. Take us in. Uh, so after Neapolitan Bride, we skip a couple of tracks on that first disc until we get to a song called Eva Luna. This sounds like a December song. Like this just well, in fact, sounds like December. Hear what this sounds like. This sounds like a Nutrimoke Hotel song. Oh, oh. <laughs> don't you think you. kind of? Like Look at you. You should get a job yeah. at Pitchfork. Um, but like, yeah, this song I thought especially it doesn't sound like anything else on this album. No. I think it's dipping a little bit more into sort of, you know, this kind of reminds me a little bit of like um like maybe like an Odalisque kind of song. Yeah. Like really kind of interesting melodies. It's a, it's a little bit more like, compared to the other songs on this album, it's a little bit more, I feel like, moody, which is not what I would use to describe a lot of the songs on this. Right, yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a touch of darkness in it. I have no idea what it's about, but... I was about to pull up the lyrics. But, like, his vocals have a little bit more aggression in them here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some big words in here, right? This <laughs> You've got... Um, just the hallmark of as light song. hits the brigadoon the stolen interlude torn and battered thin and shattered spotlight on Eloise softly in between sweetly haggard darkly lacquered I mean we're, we're, this is Colin Malloy yeah right yeah. this is Pete Colin <laughs> night falls on Araby spoken ineffably and ankles so newfangled dipped in Aragon, basil tarragon, Jesus lost Christ. in chatter, oh caught in fetters. Like it's like a Kalmaloy <laughs> tongue twister. <laughs> okay, but also basil tarragon. Like I don't think those. I think he's just like trying to come up with things. words. It's a list. Yeah, of it's like his grocery list. He right. dropped with his lyrics, and and then he just randomly thought about uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, maybe. Aragorn. He's also yeah. going to Brigadoon. I'm not sure what else that would be. I, I don't know. Dipped in Aragon. I don't know. Like Maybe I mean, it's really, a, some kind of scent. I have no idea. Is it, Maybe. Isn't Aragon, that's a place, right? I mean, here's the thing. Probably these lyrics don't mean anything. <laughs> I think, uh, uh, yeah. But this is another like crazy long song. It's super long. Uh, this song is about six minutes long. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, it's not a bad song. Like it's no. it's it generally earns its runtime. But also, like if it was a minute or two minutes shorter, if there was fewer, you know, verses about it, about groceries, I think it would be okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it it didn't it wouldn't hurt anything if it was shorter, but it didn't uh, really wear out its welcome right. like some of the others. I feel like. Well, yeah. I think it helps that this song sounds different from the rest of the songs on this yeah. album. Sure. Um, like it shows, it gives a little bit of hint of range. It's also the kind of song that probably rocks a little bit harder playing it at like a, a college bar. Yeah. Anyway, 
Eva Luna's kind of, it's kind of a kick-ass song. Yeah, it's good. It's a good track. Um, next up, we're moving a little bit into like a goofier direction. Like, I think we're heading more into college band territory with this next one. Okay. I'm going to be curious to hear you defend that position. Well, so our next track that I have on the list is Helena Won't Get Stoned. This one, this one was definitely one I picked. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Pete, but this was—I uh, I like this song a lot. I want to pick up something else because there's more to talk about with this song. I don't actually love this song, but it's definitely a notable song. This one gets stuck in my head all the time. I mean, most notably since I've been, you know, preparing for this episode. But this and, is one. And this song is about a girl named Helena who won't get stoned. This is really, really great. Uh, <laughs> There's no subtlety. Yeah. That's, that's literally that what the song is about. Well, she won't get some because of her Catholic education. Yeah, I was wondering. I, I meant to do some research looking up what is the catechism's stance on getting stoned? I think only if, like, it's super dank. Like, if it, it's got to be super sticky, super dank <laughs> okay. stuff. And they, they really just want you to, like, chill, you know? Because we all went to Catholic schools, right? We did, yeah. Yep. And, like, I guess I had the D.A.R.E. program when I was in Catholic grade school, but I think everyone had that. I don't yeah, think that's part that of my was, Catholic education. Was, 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 I would that's say just, that was part of any... <laughs> 90s education. 90s education, yeah. <laughs> I think officially, I think the stance is probably about rule of law, because I think there's something in, in, in Catholicism about obeying the laws of the land. And uh, as So, like, as, if once weed is legal, like... Totally chill. They'll probably, like, infuse the hosts with... Uh, like, you know, weed. God made this weed, so let's enjoy it. I mean, I, I'm sure just like alcohol or whatever, it's just like within moderation, it's uh, it's a thing, you know. Like anything, though, it can be a path to, uh, to sin and to breaking yourself away from your Lord and Savior. Jesus well, I mean, Christ. I know that we already trashed the Mormons. But it yeah, seems like Colin's kind of trashing Catholics. Let's go here. after the Catholics. They've had yep. it too good yeah. for too long. Yeah. <laughs> Got another Catholic shoes. president. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, Second one? Yeah. Two out of 46, yeah. Two, uh, too many. Am I right, guys? But I, think like, I think like most Supreme Court justices. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, speaking of... Speaking of people who are probably Catholic and also judges, like so in in uh, in Chicago, our ballot was you know, you know whatever the normal like national election stuff, and then literally two pages of uh, judges where you had to vote. Yeah, we had a lot of judges, and it's just like every single one of them was like some sort of Irish Mick bastard. It's like, come on, guys, you you are all crooks. Like I can't imagine there's this many Irish people who are legitimate jurists. You're all anyway, Matt. Tell tell me why you love this song. I just think it's fun. Like it's, I like the riff a lot. It's got that sort of like space guitar, you know, kind of like surf rock kind of uh, vibe to it. A little bit. Also, Colin's Colin's vocal performance is really interesting on it. It's like kind of atonal in a way, but like deliberately, like he's kind of just yelling. This is a song they would play really fucking loud at a bar. Oh yeah. 
I bet everyone would sing around, sing around, sing around it. Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Just get a sing around. Get it together. A good old sing around. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, it's. I mean, there's not a lot of words, so it's probably a lot of fun to sing to. It's definitely the most fun song on this first disc. And the drum. I like the drum part too. It's kind of like a nice little driving drum beat to it. Yeah. I mean, this is the party song from that album. For sure. Yeah, this is the one people get excited about. And uh you know, it's a it's this it's a little less country and a little more rock, right? And it's mercifully short. It is <laughs> easy going down in that way. Like your balls. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Testicle jokes. So that's the last track we picked off this album. Just so you guys know, if you were to listen to this album in its entirety, it's a pretty cohesive collection of very inoffensive songs. Yeah. That's the thing. There's no, like, outright bad songs on this. No. There's no lake songs, you know? There's no, uh, <laughs> there's no When the War Came. Uh, if you only listen to the tracks that we picked, expect wait, wait, wait. a lot more Keeping Me Awake style songs. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more of that sort of, like, smooth, acoustic, Americana kind of stuff going on on this, I guess I was hoping for something more, 1998 album. Yeah. I still hold to that, uh, when you say there's no When the War Came, you mean best song on the album? Oh, you're still talking about that. You're not going to say that. Oh, my God. Not really. Not really. Though, I do legitimately enjoy that song. Yeah, I'm with Um, you. I'm with you. But, yeah, it's not the best song on the album. I threw that out there to to goad you guys into reaction and you fell into my trap you i did i couldn't resist so as a debut album for a young band of dudes in their 20s in college pretty solid really good it's a really like i don't really have a anything bad to say about tarkio like like that if i if i was a kid in montana i would play the hell out of that album like you and know, you would like go see them at whatever bar they were playing. Like, oh at. man, there Tarkio's playing tonight. Let's go check them out. And you'd go hang out at that bakery where that sweet piece was working. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> try to get some uh, soul patch tips. See what he's doing to make it work. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you just said soul patch tits. NC seventeen, baby. That's probably where he met Helena. <laughs> we're, we're going hard. Um, met her at the bakery. Decided, oh yeah, let's go out to the bar. You can come watch our show. Mm-hmm. And invites her back, and you want to hit yeah. of this, and then oh no, I can't do that. I don't like the marriage. I go to Catholic thing. school. I'm a good girl. Yeah. Do you think Helena's a real person? I'm sure there's a person named Helena somewhere. But I, I mean, think. my wife's grandmother. Wait, yeah, or maybe he's Helen. It's probably about your wife's grandmother. Maybe he's talking about the Helena. city of Helena, which is in Montana. Right. Coincidence? Maybe not. All right, well, let's uh, so let's move on. I th- I feel like we've talked about Helena. Next up, we have their EP Sea Songs for Landlocked Sailors, which to me, like, this was released the following year, and to me shows I think a lot more maturity as a band. I I think just a ton of range too, like for sure. Like this is a step up, I think, for the band in general, yeah. and it's only a year later, right? can tell they've definitely improved with uh, the writing and just playing all of it. It's just really, yeah, it's a really good, good EP. And to me, there's two songs on this EP that just like are far and away of a higher quality than anything else on this compilation. And one of them is this first song we're going to talk about from it. Uh, so the first song that we've got on the list from 
sea songs for landlocked sailors is Weight of the World. So earlier I was talking shit about their guitar player, but like this, this is like some some serious picking right here. Like this has got, Man. this is a riff, on a riff, on a riff. This thing like fucking smokes. Talk about a song that gets stuck in my head. Yeah. <laughs> this is a catchy song. Also, I think you can tell that it's the banjo player playing guitar on this song. Yeah. Because it almost sounds like someone's playing an electric guitar like a banjo. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a like it's a killer hook, and it's just fun. Yeah, it's just like a, a like country pop song. Yeah. It's it's really fun. Um it's only three and a half minutes long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think we might have actually just picked all of the short songs, like without As our favorites. Yeah. I don't know if that's subconscious or not. But yeah, it's uh to me this one stands out. I don't know about you guys. I love this song. Yeah, it uh was one of my favorite songs whenever I first listened to it a couple of weeks ago. It's got it's got a lot of like sort of nonsense lyrics from Colin, but like yeah, in a fun got, way. It, uh, so I the, the refrain is so I stand in line, so I wait in line. Everyone must honor their own anodyne. All I know about that is I think it's a Uncle Tupelo album. Is, is, is it? I think it's an. I'm sure it's a word that has meaning outside of that, but I'm pretty sure it's an Uncle I've, Tupelo. I've looked album. it up. Uh, it's it's another word for a painkiller. Okay, there you go. Anyway, everyone must honor their own anodyne, so I hang around. Uh, and while we hear the homeless Philharmonic singing all of Charlie's angels to their heavenly convergence in the sky, you and me, come on, let's hitch a ride. Like, I don't really know what this is about. Yeah, it's just silly. But it's silly nonsense. I'm hitching a ride. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, I like the, the next line. Paint me confused on a carnival cruise, this tortured ambulance chaser. Yeah, doesn't mean anything. It's just it's mean, goofy lyrics. It the first funny. part definitely uh, makes me go, yep, I'm confused. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about here at all, but sure, let's go. But like this is, I think, better than anything on that first album. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is a standout for me. I remember when I had this, when I when I had the physical uh, CD, uh, it was a it was a two CD set, and I know I played the second disc a lot more than the first one, and a lot of it was because of this song. It feels like something that would be in a movie in the late 90s. Like, I just feel like <laughs> this is something that I'm imagining people running while this is playing. I think personally. it's the end, end credits music to, mm. uh, to like, a, a PG-13 teen sex comedy or, like, mm. a really lighthearted R-rated sex comedy about kids in college. Well, and this is more of, like, just a fun song than anything on the Decemberist first album. Yeah, yeah. The next song we have up is sort of an interesting one. It's very interesting because it's one uh, we've already talked about on this podcast is. before. And <laughs> we mentioned that it was first a Tarkio song. Right. We said we weren't going to talk about any Decemberist songs this, this podcast. It, this isn't a Decemberist track. Nope, it's a Tarkio track. So what, what song is this? You want to take us in, Spaith? Oh my god, I just blanked. Uh, <laughs> my mother oh, was a Chinese architect. <laughs> Uh, yep, my mother was a Chinese architect. Wait. <laughs> Here I dreamt I was a trapeze artist. <laughs> Chinese comes up in there somewhere. I'm You're fairly right. certain from the lyrics. L- let me help you here, Justin. My mother was a Chinese trapeze artist. Mm-hmm. 
My mother was Okay, well, you know, you can tell I'm not a true Decemberist fan. I've been faking you know, it this entire time. It's so. all good. Wow. Uh, Three so episodes this in, is, this is when we find out. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the six tracks on the Five Songs EP. It is. Um, and apparently, according to Colin, it was one of the last songs they wrote and recorded as a band, Tarkio. You think this, this broke them? They're like, no, we, we're not going <laughs> to do any more like this. I saw someone describe uh, on the December's message board describe this song as Cal Malloy's D and D character origin story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, you know, so we've talked about this song before. Go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> Hear us do some some solid riffs yeah, on I'm this sure track. Anything we said back then uh, is going to be much better than what we're going to say now. But what's interesting about them re-recording this song for five songs is it's basically just a straight re-record. Yeah, you yeah. you sub- different instrumentation is just yeah. about the only even barely. Thing. Yeah, like the the guitar is much more forward in this version than it is in uh, the Decemberist. That that was the main difference that I noticed whenever yeah. I was listening to it. It's just like someone's got like a like a baritone guitar kind of sound or something. I think that's in the Decemberist yeah. version too. Hmm. I don't know. I think it is. This isn't one of my um, favorite December songs. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm well, gonna I remember you made you. you not liking this because I said it was funny and you said it was NPR funny. <laughs> I think that was, I think that was this Man, song. Yeah, you should definitely go, guys, guys. Go listen to our first episode. I'm way funnier in that episode than I am now. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, six months ago, Matt, he was so funny. But like this lyrically is 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 taking a step towards obviously the Decemberists. Um, it's it's stepping out of like the lived reality of going to college in Montana and more into like, man, I wish I was living in like an old novel instead, which I think is sort of the, the, the early Decemberist lyrical style. Of, of all the songs to like carry with him from Tarkio to the Decemberists, like this is a weird pick. So I have a guess as to why this is the one is it because is. this is probably the most just like, this is a song by me and for me. Mm. You know, I mean, this, this I think is more like, I'm a, I'm called Malloy, motherfucker. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a lot of the subtext of this. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Well, I mean, I, mean, it, I can't it's, think of another song that, uh, from Tarkios that I've listened to that, uh, would fit better. Well, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I do have, song, so. I have one that I will talk about later. I, I do. I think I might too, but uh, but let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so, so about I think we should. I think we should clump two of these songs together, um, so we could talk about both "Mountains of Morn" and "Never Will Marry" together. Sure. So uh, Matt, I don't know how you're going to edit those. Both of those. Uh, I'll just play them on top of each other. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's, the I, the that's reason how I'm they put, were meant to be heard. And <laughs> the reason I'm putting those together is because both of those are traditional Irish folk ballads. Oh, Mary, this London's a wonderful sight. Oh, so the, are they covers? Yes. I did not know that. And they both they both sound like old folk songs. Yeah, they do. Didn't know they were covers, but yes, they definitely sound different. So let's talk about Mountains of Morn. Let's go ahead and okay. just... Get that one going. It's a very lighthearted song. So yeah, Mountains of Morn um, here, it definitely has that kind of like sort of Irish folk lull to it, I would Mm. say. Um, This was one that I picked to be talked about just because I really like the way the melody goes. Mm -hmm. It's it's talking about someone named Peter, old Peter O'Laughlin. If we didn't think this was a traditional Irish song, 
right? Yeah, that yeah. Uh, disabuses <laughs> you of that notion right there. So yeah, this is like a little story song about Peter O'Loughlin, and he's in London, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a nice little folk song. Yeah, it's a nice song. I will say, like, it is. It's, so it's it takes place in London, right? But doesn't he talk mm-hmm. about like gold mining? Uh, so oh, Mary, this London's a wonderful sight. There's people here working by day and by night. They don't stew potatoes nor barley nor wheat. There's gangs of them digging for gold in the street. Maybe this is like old London. Mm. I mean, I don't know why there would be gold in the streets of London. Uh, London's a very I, old city, so. Yeah, it's old. The only thing I can think of from that would be like pickpockets, like digging mm. for gold. Yeah. Again, I, if I just would have done just any amount of lyrical analysis, I probably could have had a better understanding. But I didn't. I chose one not other. To. One other option. It could be talking about digging for snot boulders out of your nose, mining for gold. Wow. Wow. Yeah, for that. I shouldn't. For that. Uh, I'm a just vulgar gonna... fucking episode. You bring up. <laughs> Uh, And so the other traditional song is called Never Will Marry. One morning I ramble. And this is again, it's got a very pretty melody, stripped down instrumentation. This is one I definitely picked because I, I I really like the I really like the harmonies on it like it's it's spare, but like it's got like a nice like sort of tight vocal harmony. Yes, I mean yeah, but that that harmonization sounds like we could be listening to like the Dubliners or something. Sure, yeah, you know the Chieftains. The song's also like eight minutes long. It's way too long. It's six minutes and twenty three <laughs> seconds, but still, it's it's way long. too long. It feels like it's eight minutes. Um, but like it's kind of interesting on you know your second EP to do one third of the songs are traditional Irish songs. Yeah. You know, that, that first album was much more Americana and they're already shifting away from it. Well, but also like they put these albums out like back to back. I mean, this came out the year after, but the fact that Colin's looking to sort of like British folk music, right. As sort of a a wide umbrella. Yeah. um, is something that he's going to like really wallow in his obsession of, once he branches off and starts his own thing, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a uh, a portent of things to come. Um, it's also another song about William. I feel like Colin uses the name William in Hazards of Love because I think it's all over British folk music. So I remember reading this interview with Jack White uh, when uh, I think it was the second Rack and Tours album came out, and there's a song. Uh, about I think it's the last track on the album about a a milkman um, who has a kid named Billy. Anyway, long story short, like Jack White was was, was worried about using the name Billy in a song. He's like, oh, that's kind of like a cliche having a character named Billy. So he called his friend Bob Dylan to ask if that was okay, and Bob Dylan gave him his blessing. He's like, yeah, you can fucking name whatever you want. It's your fucking song. Fucking, I'm Bob fucking Dylan. I can tell you what to do. And so then he, he, he wrote a song about Billy. So yeah. That wasn't a very good story, Matt. Hey, it's not my story. Blame, blame Jack White. <laughs> Let's get Jack on the pod. <laughs> I know he's a fan. 
<laughs> I'm sure he's a fan. Uh, Do you think Jack White has ever heard a December song? Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm sure he has. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like he's a very well-listened-to music person. I could also see Jack White not listening to anything except old blues music. So, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> maybe not. Although he was on a Beyonce song. Sure. So, Was yeah. it all the single ladies? No, it was not all the single ladies. Okay. He's the one singing the uh-uh-oh. We'll talk about it on our next podcast, which is about Beyonce. It's coming up. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else about these folk tunes? I, t- I didn't know they were folk songs. I mean, they sound like folk songs. I didn't know that they were covers. It's interesting. I like them both. Yeah. That's all I have to say about them. Yeah, they were good, enjoyable change of pace for that uh, for that little EP. Different, but, but yeah. They were fun. So, Matt, you might be on the same wavelength as me in thinking that this final song from the EP is the most Decemberist sea song recorded by Tarkio. I would say it's not only the the most Decemberist but like the best song that Tarkio recorded. I mean, no argument here, my it's friend. Very good. What's it called? It's called Tristan and Assault. Would you like to go out tonight? To Tristan to his I love this song. So, like, this could be on any of the December's first three albums and be one of the best songs on those albums. It's absolutely amazing uh we should maybe talk that tristan and Isolde is an old story that is one of the stories that's the basis for romeo and juliet yeah because shakespeare was a fucking hack he did steal most of it i was gonna say like the the characters in it are literally in romeo and juliet oh are they aren't they let's go ahead and say yeah let's let's go ahead and say yeah they are because shakespeare's a fucking hack i don't care so tristan and Isolde. Uh, or they're very similar to it. They, they might not be the exact like same spelling or whatever. But so this is an old story uh, from at least going as far back as the 12th century, Ooh. which is a sort of star-crossed lovers story. But it's it's uh, an Ir- an old Irish story. They did. The they made a movie of it, didn't they? Yeah, with uh, they did with uh, what's his name? I have no idea. Nope. I'm gonna get there. Hold on. Boy. Oh, I've got it here. We're gonna produced stop by produced by Tony and Ridley Scott. Okay. Starring James Franco. Oh, James Franco. I wasn't wow. Uh, directed by directed by Kevin Reynolds, who also directed Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Waterworld, and The Count of Monte Cristo. Hello. Yeah, sounds like a real winner. Who played Assault? Who Assault? Uh, Assault in that was played by Sophia Miles who is also well-known for being in the live-action Thunderbirds movie. <laughs> um, she was in Transformers Age of Extinction. Oh my she God. was in Underworld Evolution. Just just, it's depressing. <laughs> You're depressing me right now. Uh, I have she, no idea there was a live-action Thunderbirds uh, movie. Here's what we need to know. She was in the movie Outlander. Wait, the, the Sean Connery movie? The Jim Caviezel movie. Oh. Which is a sci-fi movie loosely based on Beowulf. All right. It's got Jim Caviezel, Ron Perlman, John Hurt. I feel like Ron Perlman and John Hurt will go for just about any like weird yeah, sci-fi like medieval period mishmash. They're they're already on board. 
uh, we've really gone off the deep end on this. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> all of that to say this song fucking rocks. And, and this song is not literally retelling the story of Tristan no. and Isolde. It's this, um, it does it, this cool thing that, like, I mean, it uses the name and sort of, like, you know, coming to the ideas of it, but, like, sets it in a modern setting. And uh, I don't know. I love this song so much. I feel like a complete and utter hack because I really can't tell you a whole lot about it. I don't uh, remember much of this song, so clearly I failed. Keep listening to it, man. I it's need got, to. I, it's got I mean, some of the most in- – go on. I was going to say, I just – I need to listen to this more often because um, I was listening to it mainly with my wife, and we both were just enjoying all of it like it was. It's 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 good stuff, and yeah. Yeah, so um, to me, even though I really – after buying this as a CD, listening to it, and then probably never listening to Tarkio for like a decade maybe – this song I remember perfectly. Oh yeah, when I was prepping for this this episode, I would just listen to the song and repeat, like for like three or four times in a row. It's got really pretty instrumentation that's really different from the rest of uh, the Tarkio material, um, and I think shows just like more interesting songwriting than anything else they did as a band. I think I mean it's all good, but I love the chorus, like the the line. God, I love you, but you trouble me. Like that, that, that run, that phrase is just the way he sings it. The harmonies on it, it just, it's, it's so good. It, it gets me every time. This band has has in general, I think, really good harmony work. Yeah. Um, in a way that the Decemberists really don't, unless they're bringing in guest vocalists. Right. No, I think Colin likes this song because I think he still plays this when he does solo shows. I think yeah. he'll do this solo live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's far. I think this and Way to the World are far and away the strongest songs the band did. Yeah, absolutely. Have you has has he played this live when you've seen him? I don't think so. It's great though. I would lose my shit if I saw him play this live. If I saw the Decembers <laughs> play this, fucking Matt would just about fucking it. shit his. Band. I think the December should re-record this. Honestly, yeah, like. Why, like, they're already doing My Mother Was a Chinese Trapeze Artist. Go ahead and throw this under the rotation. Like, man, get Ginny on here with some sweet organ. Honestly, and like, the, one, the one thing where I, I think this song kind of lacks is, like, I think it needs to end with, like, a, just a, a sweet, like, pedal steel from, from Mr. Chris Funk. Like, I just think, could, like, taking it that. out on some sweet pedal steel, it would just, it would devastate me every time, and I would love it. So, yeah, that... That little six-song EP is is pretty great. Solid. But it's shortly after recording that the column was like, fuck Montana, I'm going to Portland. Yeah, but before before he did that, they did do one more song. Well, no, we just picked another song. They did. I don't know when. <laughs> when this came out. <laughs> so they, this is from, uh, you know, the, at the end of the omnibus, there's some, like, extras, demos, and whatnot. And there was a 1998 compilation of studio recordings done at the KGBA radio station. Uh, Let's look that up. KGBA radio. um, Which is a radio station. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, It's now a contemporary Christian station. I doubt that it was contemporary Christian at the time. (laughs) Uh, 
Well, that's on FM. FM, it's now a Christian radio station. Uh, AM, it is a Spanish language Christian radio station. <laughs> <laughs> so probably neither one of those two. They probably at the time, it was something different. But uh, there's a couple of tracks on here that they that were on a compilation of studio recordings from 1998. So these these must be like demos, songs they shopped around, that like they were messing around with but never went in the studio and recorded. So the track that I picked off this was what I think is just like a fun track that listening to it, you kind of capture the kind of maybe what the live energy of the band would be like. Um, it's, it's a little bit looser and unrehearsed. Um, it's messier and appropriately titled Mess of Me. It does fit well with how that song uh, is on the uh, on the album. Yeah, it's it's a fun little song. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that might be a little bit controversial. I think this kind of sounds like a Bell and Sebastian song. I agree. I I don't think that's controversial. Um, like an early Bell and Sebastian yeah. song. Yeah, both in um, production and the just sonic quality of it. I think that it's the backing vocals. Yeah. Um, to me, it reminds me most of the December song "Sunshine." Sure, that's very um, strummy, that sort of, like a strummy pop song. But like, it's yeah, it's a fun pop song. It's got some a neat little guitar bit in it. I don't have much to say about it. I just thought that we should talk about. You know, you you get the idea that live they've got a very kind of like loose, fun energy. Yeah, yeah, I think they they would have been a fun band to see live. Yeah, I definitely. It's one of those things where I, I wish that I I uh, listened or listened went to more live shows whenever I was growing up and stuff. Whenever I was younger, well, a little harder to do it now. Well, especially now, but, <laughs> very yeah. hard to do now. <laughs> yeah, but you know, before the COVID came, it was still harder than it was whenever I was uh, younger. But How do you guys think the members of Tarkio felt when Colin left and then became a major success Yeah, you in know, a different I, band? I was trying to like find information about the rest of the band, and uh, I couldn't. do anything else. I could not. Musically, from, from what I was aware of. Did you? Yeah, did you? so like, how would you feel if you were in a band in college with someone and they were like, this isn't doing it for me, I'm out, and then they like become like a... I would, Hate them Major and myself success. forever. I would just yeah, be exactly. a, a, a angry ball of hatred. Because like, like they could have they could have moved they could have all moved to Portland. Yeah, yeah, they could have. I don't know why they like didn't. what 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 was so important in Missoula? You idiots. Yeah, yeah. Follow didn't, the follow the money maker. Right, exactly. <laughs> follow that sweet soul patch all the way to the the rainy city. The bank? Is that what they call Portland? Is that Stump Town? That's, that's what they, what they, it, they that's right? what they call it. That's what they call it. Credit Stump Town. I think the concrete jungle. That, that's what it's town. called. Yeah, dreams what are made of. Stump town. I think that's what. They're yeah, called. no, that's a. I think you're right. One. I think that I think that's a Portland thing. Yeah. Okay. There's at least a coffee company there called Stump Town. And there was that show on ABC called Stump Town that got canceled. Does it take place in Portland? No, it takes place in Missoula. I mean, the so main thing I know about Portland, <laughs> the dream of the '90s, is alive in it. It is. That yeah, is true. That's true. Um. So Tarkio, guys. Yeah, so like um you could imagine that this band had they gone on. Like if this band was still around. 
right? I think we could see like a Wilco style trajectory for this band. Yeah. This tra- tra- uh, <clears throat> transition. <laughs> oh boy, guys, I'm really good at talking. Uh, they transition to like uh, dad rock at some point, right? For sure. They go, yeah. they do their like uh, their weather channel music mm-hmm. style album. Yep. Do some dad rock, do some like straight up commercial stuff, do some weird noisy stuff. And then basically just be like the steely Dan of the indie rock pantheon um yeah like i think that you can see colin return to some of this kind of music to like his roots um with king is dead yeah there's definitely yeah, a what lot do you, of that what do you think if you're if you're the other guys in tarkio and then like they win a grammy <laughs> he puts out a new tarkio album basically for, uh, for, <laughs> for king is dead and then you're just like what the fuck, Colin? Like, come on! What the fuck, Colin? But, but, like, I think that if you compare this music to King is Dead, like, he's definitely gotten better. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, like, I, I like Tarkio. I'm glad they broke up. Like, I'm glad that Colin went on to make the Decembrists because yeah, I, I brought us the Decembrists. I mean, as much as I like these tracks, like, I like them because Colin is, I like Colin's songwriting. And I think, like, right. this band wasn't going to grow the same way that, that the Decemberists have. He's going to feel like he's in a rut quicker mm-hmm. here. With, the, uh, with that, yeah. Which is probably why he ended up leaving when he did. Right. I'm sure. It's... Well, I have some good news for you, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Are you pregnant? Tarkio is, is not the Decemberists, so this isn't... This isn't an official segment of does, does uh, Pitchfork still hate the Decembrists or still like the Decembrists, but they did get, they did review this album. They did reviewed Omnibus. So we can sort of play a version of does Pitchfork still like the Decembrists? I think I accidentally saw the score. Oh no, I did not. All right. I have Justin guess first and then I'll say what I think it was. All right. So just a little background. Uh, it was reviewed by famous, Pitchfork wait, wait, wait. December. Is it fucking rump. Dusner? It's Steven Dusner. Ah. Gave gave the review <laughs> of the album. And it was reviewed shortly after this is in 2006. Yeah, so it was reviewed after it came out. It was, this was this was hot off of Picaresque, which was we all as we all know, uh a a, a huge runaway success. I think everyone liked Picaresque. It was a very popular mm-hmm. album. Yeah. Uh, beloved by even Pitchfork. So, so it's January 2006. You're, you're Steven Dusner. You're given you're given Omnibus a spin. What are you gonna rate it on a on a ten point scale? What are you gonna give it? I'm thinking seven point two. Seven point two is your guess. Yeah, Pete Wissinger, what is your? Uh... Okay, so I think I remember seeing that it got like a five something. <laughs> You want to be more specific? Five six. It got a five point seven. Okay. Uh, like which I, is, I was thinking so like, about like going down to like the six, but I was almost like, would that be too low? I don't know. So like, this seems. Okay, here's the like, thing. He's a fan of the Decemberists. He liked the Decemberists. Right? He gave Picaresque an eight point. So like, this seems yeah. shitty to be like. You know what? We're gonna put out my college band stuff for fans of the band. And then you're like, this fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, of course it does. It was his, co- like, 
like to give this a bad review seems silly. Is it a right. bad review? Or? Yeah, I mean, like he's like this is kind of undercooked. The songs are too long, and he says something about the the album not being in chronological order, which I thought was a weird thing to say because I think it is kind of. I mean, um, even if it's I mean, not, I don't see that necessarily being a, an issue like at all. Right. Look at it as a compilation. I mean, yeah. after the EP, those songs, I think, were from random times. Yeah. But, like, take it as a compilation, Dusner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, whatever. It, I guess, like, it doesn't need line? to be rated as high as, like, say, like, I don't know, what's their... What's the middle of the road December album? I don't know, but the point is, like, it's not like you're not really saying it's better than, you know, 56% of all other music. You can give it, you can give it like a six. You can give it a gentleman's six. Give it six. a six. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? There's nothing. Like, you're like, I think Colin's being vulnerable re releasing this material. Yeah. Like, oh. I don't think that Colin probably loves this stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that I saw that uh, he said in the liner notes, which I've lost for this. He says like the songs are fine, <laughs> right? Like I think he has fond memories of the band, but like, you know, songs are okay. We did some songs. I mean, it's like, like it's, I, it's anyone's early work. There's always right. going to be, you're going to look back and you're going to say, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. You know, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. I would say for, for December's fans, you definitely want to listen to this at least once. For sure. And, and do and like us and make a shorter playlist <laughs> out of these songs. Yeah. You can yes. definitely make like a solid album out of this. You can make like a, I would, I would put this, you know, this uh, 10 track album, up there in, in terms of listenable. It's, it's better than some Decemberist EPs. Yeah. That's all right. That's a good way of putting it. It was definitely funny whenever you uh, were like, Oh, we're going to do like one of these two, which one you want to do? And I'm like, I don't really care. And do this one. It's find the omnibus omnibus. And then I looked, I was like, Holy shit. That's a lot of music. guys. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. <laughs> Yeah, I was, was like, we were going to do two two episodes. I'm glad we didn't do two episodes. We wouldn't have enough to say. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, there would be one album where all we're talking about is keeping me awake and Eva Luna, and, and that's about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> In general, worth a listen. If nothing else, listen to Way to the World and Tristan and his ult. Yeah. Those are all-timers. And keeping me awake. And if you're like, man, keeping me awake is my jam. Listen to that whole first album. Yeah. yeah I, I personally, I loved keeping me awake. I thought it was great. Well, Justin Spade, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. For being our first third timer. And I'm glad that we got to cool. introduce you to this decent set of songs. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate the fact that you uh, brought to mind, because, you know, I knew that he was in Tarkio, but I never really felt compelled to, to try to look for it, because, I don't know, just kind of yeah. assumed it probably there wasn't much out there, but more than what I thought, and uh, some pretty good stuff on it. So do you think you'll you ever go. listen to Tarkio again? Yeah, yeah, well, I know my wife definitely enjoyed the first album. She's like, this could be a really good one for kind of like listening in the car, just kind of, you can easily have a conversation over it, and it's not like, 
some of the albums where you're like, all right, well, we were talking, but, you know, now shit's getting real with uh, (laughs) 16 military wives, so I'm going to have to headbang for a bit with this one. I'm with you. This is solid driving music where, like, you can ignore the lyrics if you want to and just vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so our next show, I think, is going to be about the side project of the entire band except Colin. Right? Are we going to do Black Prairie next? Black Prairie is next month. Which I have actually never listened to. I'm excited about this episode. This is this is my uh, this is my wheelhouse. So Matt will take the lead. So just get yourself ready now for a dip in quality. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> just. And it's going to be a, a embarrassingly bad. But it will also be our yeah. Christmas episode. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. Pete, great. Pete just got a really mad look at his face when I said Christmas episode <laughs> because you know he hates Christmas. The war on Christmas is real. It's being waged mostly on this podcast. Uh, Matt, I think you mean it's going to be our holiday episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's let's be let's be. It's true. You know, PC. Because yep. fuck the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got one last dig in there. All right. yeah. One last dig in there. <laughs> we, we, we can do like a we can do a Protestant Christmas episode. Yeah. yeah. No so. Romneys are allowed to listen to the next episode. Absolutely not. Or Catholics. Yeah. Get your Mick Catholic ears out of this podcast. Um, anyway. Yeah. So this has been guys, both. Go on. I was just going to wonder go, how go Matt ahead, was going to ruin our, <laughs> a wind up to our amazing landing that we always yep, did. You're welcome. I've Failing. already got an outro ready. Failing. Oh. Don't care. All right. Hit his faith with whatever bullshit you were going to, you're going to ask. <laughs> I mean, if you got to keep your Catholic ears out of it, Esner, how are you going to edit this? You're not going to be able to listen to it. That's He's going to become an apostate and was, renounce renounce his faith. That was your gotcha. I should have realized <laughs> that was what you were going to add. That's why we stopped. That's yep, we you're stopped welcome. It really didn't matter in oh, any boy. way, shape, or form. Oh boy. Anyway, well, till next been, time. This has been we both podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're nailing it. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's all do our own outro at the same time. Just talk over each other. Uh, uh, taking a month between episodes really like allows us to find our chemistry anew every time. Like it, I've it actually really... been listening to old episodes and taking notes on my own performance. So yeah, this is peak shows. peak Pete Wissinger. It shows. It shows uh, the preparation and the commitment. Yeah, yep. this I'm going to end this episode uh, right now. We both podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it sure has. And uh, till next time. Hell no one gets you and, <laughs> you and me, come on, let's hit your ride. There we go. That was nice. That was very nice. Very nice. Bravo. Bravo. Actually, a probably more appropriate ending is mess of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. uh, Albert uh, Camus. Right. Yep. Right? Am I right, guys? All right. I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>